Hello, welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. In this episode, Andy is going to get put on the spot and we're going to talk about some things that drives him crazy. The ride to the field, taking pictures with the birds, and also we are going to give away a four-man goose hunt with lodging and meals and bird cleaning at the Big Honker Lodge in Knox City, Texas. So listen to this podcast and it will give you directions to win this free trip. Thank you very much. Hello, people. You, you kept me from doing my boom. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. Live from Studio A. Well, I guess it's not live, but it is for us. Studio A at the Big Honker Lodge. I'm Jeff Stanfield, my sidekick. A little the sidekick. Hello, people. Andy Shaver here. I'm Ron Stanfield visiting in. You're going to be a special guest again, Dad. You're going to be a regular around here. Well, I've been here since last June, I guess, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you didn't know it, Dad, Dad, Dad's had a little battle with lung cancer, and he's been a permanent fixture at the lodge since then. How you feeling? Well, my lungs feel all right. Just everything else is getting old, too, I guess. I just have a lot of trouble bouncing back. Don't bounce back like you used to? Don't seem to. You know, you, you, you're – a big guy, big arms and stuff. And I remember in junior high, those kids used to tell me all the time. I'd listen to kids at lunch talking or, or wherever, and they'd be talking shit, and they'd be like, yeah, and if my old man did that, I'd go home and whip his ass. I never made that mistake ever even trying to think about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andy, I got a few questions for you today. I had some, some feedback. Okay, here we go. Some feedback. We, You know, we've uh, there's been a little bit of <clears> – <throat> excuse me. A little bit of banter going on between Blake Poppy and my uh, younger brother, Zach Shaver, on Facebook. And I, I guess uh, I guess when Blake gets down here, they're going to come in studio, and it's really going to be a, an, a, a battle. They're going to really drag me through the mud. So I guess this will be a fucking precursor to that. I don't well, know. No, I don't know what Jeff's got in store for I'm me. I'm not going to drag you through the mud or anything. I'm just going to bring up some – I've had some feedback from people. And they've asked about you. You know, you are the second biggest celebrity on this podcast. You do realize that, right? <laughs> well, you might be third. Dad might be second now. But the question is, is that things that, that pe- people ask me all the time, do you, you know, what, what, what what's he on? really like? What is he really like? No, they don't life? ask that. They ask, one question is, does Andy, it'd be nice to hear from Andy talk about his normal morning. So, so walk through the routine of leaving your house in the morning until we get to the field. Not the decoys, not all that. Just your normal routine. You have music, you listen to anything. People want to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay, so it depends on where we're hunting. If we're hunting in Texas, we have breakfast out here 98.3% of the time. So uh, we wake our clients up at 4.15, breakfast is at 5.00. Why does it take 45 minutes for a grown man to get ready to come make breakfast? No, it's not at 5. They leave at 5. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. We wake we, them up at 4.15 and up breakfast four, is ready when they get up. Thank God. I'm glad Ron's here. 
Wake up 4.15, leave at 5. You're exactly right. Um, so I, a long time ago, Tony decided that uh, everybody needed to be here for him to cook breakfast. <laughs> at, at, four, at, at four o'clock. I think that was more for the guides that were always late. Oh. Well, I don't think that was really directed at you because you've never not been here. Well, he wants everybody here. <clears throat> uh, musters at four fifteen. So I usually my alarm clock goes off at three fifteen in Texas. I'm usually out the door at my house by the time I hit the snooze button once or twice. I'm usually. Uh, I've got my contacts in and all dressed. Lou has been aired and he has been fed and we're on the road at 345. We get out here about four. We hook up to our trailer, pull around. Uh, Tony has coffee going at that point. And then I uh, pour me a nice cup of Joe and wait. And he's always got Fox News going. So I get caught up on the headlines. If fantasy football is going on, I... I uh, I beat everybody to the waiver wire because I'm up before all of them. I have had guys in our league make that comment before. <clears throat> yep. So, uh, you know, I take it seriously. And then guys start filtering in here about 4, 4.30 or so, and they make their coffee and all that other stuff. And usually about 4.42, I'm going to the bathroom on the right-hand side, <laughs> and that is where I take my – Hopefully my only morning shit. If I got to do it again, it's going to be out in the field and it's not going to be as fun. So, uh, 4:42, I'm usually evacuating my bowels, and then usually about 4:57, maybe a little bit earlier if I can shave a little bit of time off, uh, refilling my coffee, and then I'm out the door, ready to roll at the five o'clock uh, time that I told everybody we'd be leaving. So. so and, and most morning. most of the customers lots of fun. Most of the customers do their breakfast with their friends, and mm -hmm. we have our setup is that we have a big dining hall area, and then we've got a kitchen area, and we've got a big big bar in there that we eat at. And that's it's kind of it's an island, stainless, stainless steel, steel island. island, and that's the that's the family table. Yep, and we've got about a dozen, hell, maybe more than that, chairs around it. It's a big island. And nothing pisses me off more. And for whatever reason, it's always like the early season groups. You can ask, Zach would attest to this too. The first two weeks of season, all the clients are sitting in there. And I don't know what changes. I really don't. I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's because we just do breakfast most of the time at that time of the year. But once we start doing like lunch and dinner, guys sit out in the dining hall. I don't know what's going on. Guaranteed it's going to happen this year. Uh, one of the first couple of hunts, all the clients are going to be in at, at our table. Where's and, you out, don't oh, it? Fucking wears me out. Cause I've got my spot that I sit at. It's good. You don't have to crane your neck to see the TV. And like, that's my time. That is my, that is my 45 minutes not answering. Well, I usually field quite a bit of questions at that time, but like, that's kind of my time to just mentally prepare for what I've got to do. And fucking when guys are sitting in there, it starts as soon as I sit down. Questions and, well, how's it going to be today? And and that's all fine. It's, it's part of the job, and I understand that. But I like my little. That's our safe area. I like my little reprieve for 45 minutes. And then when, you know, uh, <clears throat> I just, I, I need it to 
stay sane because it's a fucking grind. I mean, that's what people don't understand. You know, it, it is a great job to have and it is a, it is something that, uh, you know, I can go through the emails right now and I can pull up 30 resumes of people that have, that have sent them in. And if you have sent them in, uh, I've talked to a couple couple people have messaged me directly. A couple people, uh, we will get back to you. This is our, we kind of make all of our hiring decisions, uh, what, by June, pretty nah, much. Some, well, and some of our, some of the other guys are still on the, Zach, I know Zach's uh, kind of him hauling around on what he's going to do. So we will get back to you. But this is a, this is a fantastic job. There's no other place like it, but it will fucking wear you down if if you're not if you're not mentally uh prepared and mentally strong because it is a lot of early mornings a lot of late nights part of it but i need my 45 minutes to at least have my first couple sips of coffee before uh i get bombarded with questions well that's just our safe area i mean that's always has been it's the family table and even when when we've got everybody's here, we got all the guides here and stuff. It's still our time to sit around and, and visit and talk about things other than hunting, because believe it or not, we we do discuss and have other interests besides hunting. Fantasy football. Fantasy football is a big part of it, but we talk about our things. You know what's going on with our kids, or grandkids, brothers, sisters, dad, dad's health, yeah. wh- whatever's going on. Let's make fun of Tony over something. I mean, we've got our normal things that we go through on an everyday basis. Right. Or Tony gripe about me doing something, but that's our area and that's what I understand. Okay. Now, once you get to the truck and you got your trailer and you're going, do you have a morning song or do you have music that uh Howard Stern most of the time. Uh there's usually a song every year. Two years ago it was Black Beatles. Uh this year I don't remember what the fuck it was this year. One year it was really something really cheesy and I can't remember what it was. Hello Hello by Dell was Yeah, one that's year. it. Uh Fuck, I don't know. It it varies every year. Y'all are superstitious, most guides. Most of them are, yeah. Mo- I mean, I'm just a such like even in the off season, I'm still every morning I do the same shit. You know, up coffee. You're anal. Uh, not anal. I'm prepared. You're anal. So, you know, most of the time it's a little bit of Howard Stern. He really fucking pissed me off. Okay, so we leave at five o'clock. Well, a long time ago. As soon as we were pulling out the door, his intro music was hitting. And then in his old age, he's claiming he can't work as long anymore. So they pushed it back to a 6 o'clock. So I don't get to hear him live anymore. But uh, for the longest time, we'd be leaving and I'd get to hear the opening the opening part of Howard. And I don't get to hear that anymore. And it really, really chapped my ass. He did not think of me. Whenever he made that decision, very I, selfish. I bet I can tell you something that really, something else that really gets on your nerves that mm-hmm. I've noticed over the years, <laughs> and it's every guy that has it, and I've been there myself. And it's the, oh, you're riding by yourself. I'll just ride with you instead of riding with my buddies. Which <laughs> doesn't happen too often, but yes, it does. Now I've got the out of well, I've got a dog, and that's where he sits. He sits in the front seat. So I'd love to have you, but he's not. He doesn't. And that's a, like. My Lou is, uh, he's about a hundred pounds. He's very big and he's just, he's a, he's a puppy is all he is. I've, I've, my wife and I have talked about it before. He's just a big fucking puppy. And I think all labs are that way. Like I think they just get old and they're just a big puppy. So whenever anybody gets in my truck, he wants to meet them and he puts his, he's got a move where he'll put his, his he put his, his face 
right on your shoulder. Oh, God almighty. And then he'll put his nose, like, right up against your chin. And, like, the last thing I want to do in the morning is wrestle with my dog because you decided that I couldn't drive 15 minutes by myself. And I got to constantly push him back because he's wanting to see what you're up to. Normally, if it's just me and him, he sleeps the whole way to the field. Like Steve Barber, when he jumps in with you to ride with you, it don't bother you as much, does it? Yeah. I I, I don't want to fucking ride with Steve either. (laughs) I mean, it's just – Steve's an old family friend that's here all the time. But anybody that Lou's not accustomed to, he's going to do that, and it's going to get on my nerves because he's getting on your nerves, and this whole thing could have been avoided if you would have just – what the fuck that is? If you would have just rode with your buddy. But I don't want to be with anybody that that jumps in my truck with me. If it, like Zach, Blake, any of the guides, he kind of gets accustomed to them, and he's not as bad. But a new face in the truck is brutal. He nudges me the whole time, and he's with me all the time. Well, I don't know what to tell you. If we're driving, he's right there at me. But anyways, that's another <clears throat> one I knew that kind of drove you nuts. I think that's a way with everybody. Now, but like I said, like that's just my time. I got I got my fifteen minutes. Or 45 minutes It's usually not even A full 45 minutes Because uh, Just normal questions You know Hey Guys ask We still leaving at 5 Yes Uh, Is it raining No Do we need this Just you know The normal stuff But you know Also my time to the field Is just kind of my It's where I Kind of Do last minute checks On wind And uh, Most of the fields Most of the fields around here, I've hunted my entire life, so I've pretty well got the layout of them. But, um, you know, if it's a new field, we scout the night before, but it just it's always different in the dark. It's always different when you're in the field. So that's just kind of my mental preparation of, okay, uh, this is what the wind's supposed to be. This is what I'm thinking of doing. If this doesn't work, I'm going to do this. If the wind is quartering, this is what I'm going to do. If the wind stops, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, there's, it's not just as simple as, Hey, this is where we are. This is where we're hunting. Here's what we're throwing out. Like there's, I actually put more thought than I probably should into, uh, into my setup. So the drive out there kind of my time. Okay. So my time here at the breakfast table is my time to not think, get on Instagram, get on Facebook, get on fancy football, drink my coffee, drive the, the drive to the field is just, it's just, it's constant. This is what we're going to do. And if that's not working, this is what we're going to do. So um, I like it to be fairly quiet. I don't mind a little bit of conversation. But if a, if, a, if a guy I'm not comfortable with jumps in, I feel like I've got to entertain him and keep the conversation going the whole time. You, you know, that's funny. When we go to – or not funny. That's, that's my word I guess I use. When I go fishing and I fish with a guy at Padre that we used to fish with, and I, I noticed last time we went, me and Payton were at the front of the boat. And I think the guy really enjoyed his time driving the boat for the 15 to 30 minutes to get to where we were going to sure. fish. Yeah. And it's, it's his time. And it, he, and I thought about that a lot. I thought, you know, that's the same as him with our table. That's his little area where it's just him. And he don't really want to be jacked with a bunch of questions. Right. As soon as he turns that boat off, yeah. someone's asking him a million questions. And like I said, I, I, anybody can ask me any question. I will answer probably more honest than I should a lot of times. But uh, I don't. I probably sound like a dick, and I am. But that's just—it's my time, and for my sanity, I need it. When we're up in Oklahoma, it's the same thing, you know. Uh, wake up, 
guys don't ride with me up in Oklahoma. We don't have a lodge up there, but still, I need my, I need my little forty-five minutes. Zach, he he's got the ability to wake up, put contacts in, brush his teeth, uh, pour coffee in his thermos, and leave. I don't have that ability. I gotta wake up. I gotta, I gotta watch a little bit of the news. I gotta sit down for a little bit. I I hate if there's one thing in this world that I hate, it's to be fucking rushed. And I, I just don't do it. I'll get up 45 minutes early and do what needs to be done. Because if I didn't make the coffee in Oklahoma, coffee, we would never have coffee. <laughs> well, the two slowest people I know in the world in the guy in the hunting business are sitting in this room with me right now. Uh, he's talking about you, Ron. No, I'm talking about you both. <laughs> no, well, I get blamed for everything anyway. Well, Dad, do you, do you notice on the hunt, do you enjoy your time when you put the pheasants out on the pheasant hunts? Do you, you, you don't want no one there helping you, do you? No, not really. Because you've got your routine. I mean, you've got your way of doing things. Yeah, the right way, the wrong way, and Ron's way of doing everything. That's right. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but do you, you enjoy your time, Dad? Yeah, it's all I got left. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I guess we could all say that. Yeah. Okay, and, and another thing, Andy, another thing that drives you nuts, and, and this is kind – of, I'm not trying to grill Andy. I'm just – I know a lot of you that are listening to this are guides – and people that do a lot of hunting, because I've gotten that from the feedback I've gotten and the questions we've had. And most mm-hmm. of you feel the same way about stuff, and so, or, or you've been through the same things Andy's talking about. Taking pictures with the birds. <laughs> yeah. Explain explain to people out there the proper way that you think to put take pictures with birds. Because I didn't realize there were so many ways you could screw it up until this last couple you of can, years. You can take some horrendous pictures. Uh and it's not it's not what I think. It's it's what it's the right way. <laughs> um, belly up. That's the way to do it. Ducks in front. If you got a mixed bag, it's ducks in front. Put your put your most trophy birds, mallards, in the middle, and then put your shit ducks off to both sides of it, and then the geese go in the back, and they're belly up. I like to, uh, you know, if we've got canadas and specs i will uh i'll put the canadas on the bottom row and then i'll put my nice barred up specs kind of right in the middle and then i'll put the uglier specs off to the side it's just the way to do it well i watched it the, looks nice i'm i'm sitting in the vehicle last year and, and i drive up as the hunt's over and give the guys back rides to their vehicles they got all the birds stacked up i'm settling up with the guys doing doing the business end of the thing right there and i watch Andy go over and makes a pile of birds. Mm-hmm. And while Andy's putting some stuff in a trailer, a guy, another guy comes up there and he flips all the birds over and puts them. When they do that, I'm fucking done. <laughs> I'm not touching another bird. You want a shitty picture on your camera roll? Take it. The guy I've flips the, the birds right all way. over. And because Andy was taking the pictures wrong. And this guy completely changed everything up. Chaps my ass. <laughs> you can't fucking belly down. Are you kidding me? And then another thing that. I like it. I like them all in, you know, like a just one big long massive line. Some guys do uh <clears throat> for a long time we would do 10 per row. You could do it that way. I'm fine. As long as it's belly up, I I really don't give a shit how you do it. But belly up it the proper way. If you don't belly down, you're a fucking terrorist. All right? Just go join <laughs> ISIS right now. The dead goose pictures or dead bird pictures, the hunting pictures, are getting to be so more creative because I see people with old tractors, old yeah. cars. I That's mean, fucking stupid. That's I think they look nice. 
fuck no. Just take it in the field and move on. I've we, seen them stack them where they make a number. Like we had a fellow come hunted and he died from some cancer and his buddies come for two or three years after that and and they'd take the birds and make 89 or something mm-hmm. however many total they killed on that hunt to take the pictures yeah i've seen those too i'm gonna change subject one second dad do you remember the guys from san antonio that used to with those old world war ii doctors yeah the more doctors yeah there was like eight of them and they come and hunted and they hunted with us for six seven years and they went from eight to six to five to i don't know if dying off but how many doctors from World War II are still alive? I mean, that's... Well, there's getting to be less of them every day. You got to figure they were 30 years old when the war ended, at the youngest probably, to be a doctor. I, mean, I don't know what the, what the doctor requirements were then. But anyways, I just that made me think of that when you were... They just died off? They just they they, they went they kept getting smaller every year. And he told me the last year they hunted, he goes, I don't know if we're going to be able to be able to do this anymore. So we're just getting all old and old. They're getting old. That's too bad. Great guys, great guys. It's a shame that just... You know, when we've seen, we've had a lot of birthdays up here. Mr. Peterman turned 83 or 84 up here one year. Yep. Um, one of our good friends, Robert Abbey, who's hunted with us for years, hunted with us this year. And how old was that, Robert? Was he? He was 80 something. I think so. Son, grandson, everything. Just great man. And just, I just, well, I hate it. Getting older is not always so much fun. Nope. We've had a lot of generations of guys, families that got come out here with somebody when he was. 25 and then he come back and brought his kids as they grew up and and then they had kids and they're bringing them we've got some third generation people hunting here yeah it's we've been very blessed in that situation for sure okay andy once you're in the circle it's hard to you you hard to get out you grew up in a hunting family yep you've been hunting here since you've been eight years old i think is about when i married your mom you were eight and zach was three 97 was when y'all got married so i was nine yeah but we we lived together in sin for a year sin yeah we were sinners so So, eight yeah eight eight years old so eight years old and you started hunting that first year Mm -hmm. and you hunted here and and you started helping the guides first guide you really followed around was johnny rackert i'm sure they i'm sure they loved having me tag along you know i never th- and none of them ever bitched no, about man, it you was a good hand right in buddy every yeah. time and then zach was like the little kid that everybody just thought was cool as hell because he was he was 16 <laughs> years old at four right and he hasn't grown up since matt sullivan have him sniffing his farts for, yeah for he, a dollar yeah <laughs> you really didn't have to say that on air but that is part of it but you boys Zach's the little entrepreneur that he is <laughs> sniffing farts for a dollar in the back seat of the truck and then Payne, our youngest has just never really showed much he didn't really care about the hunting end of the deal. But but you boys were raised around this, the hunting and stuff. So you you got to skip school sometimes to hunt. You, when it snowed, yeah. When it snowed. And every once in a while, yeah. I would overbook. And I would be in a bad, or somebody would get sick. And I'd go to mom and I'd be like, hey, I really, really need Andy to miss school tomorrow if it's okay. And if it wasn't football season, it was always okay. Yeah, fucking basketball stupid. That's right. That's right. Basketball stupid. So she would be like, you know, or, you know, she'd be on my ass about it. But sure enough, Andy'd get to go hunting. Or if there was a film crew, or a oh, film crew, I could take Andy when he was couldn't drive for a long time, and yep. I could take him and he and I. We put on a successful hunt. That's yep. right. He'd do the calling. And- I'd be uh, I'd be thirteen years old or so, or shit, maybe even younger than that. And Ron would Ron would be my wheels, and we'd uh, we'd take a group out and. I would always, uh, I'd sit next to Ron because at a young age, I was always afraid to call the shot. So 
I would have Ron tell me when to tell when to call the shot. So he'd I'd be doing the calling, and they'd get close enough, and then because I at a young age you want to be the one that hollers hollers take them or kill them or whatever. And when you're with a more senior guy at a young age, they're always calling the shots. You're like, God damn it, I, I really want to do that. So uh, back in those days, Ron would be my wheels, and we'd we'd set up a nice spread, and like he said. He'd have the dog and the flag, and I'd have the calling and call him in. And Ron would birds would get close enough, and Ron say, "Okay, Andy, you can, you can, you can holler now." We go, we go to the hunting shows, and I'd say, "Kill him." And Andy had set up with me at the front talking to people, and it would wear him out. He'd visit, always outgoing, would talk to somebody, and never, nobody ever wants to take a 10, 11, 12 year old kid serious about booking a hunt. Never. And they just they they blow him off to come to him. Oh, it'd wear his ass out. And I know what I was talking about. And Zach, I think Zach, same thing. You yes. know, Zach would be, he would do a duck hunt. And, you know, I've had to overcome a lot. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm like Hillary in that way. Oh, you poor fucker. I've, I've, I've had, Big John and, and Zach over on a duck hunt. He's hard to take him, take him. Oh, and you guys wouldn't shoot? Yeah. He was seven years old. Yeah. John had come with the heart. Yeah, Zach's seven years old. He's like, take them. And those guys, Zach, come here all mad. Well, god dang, I call them in. They won't shoot when I tell them to. <laughs> you know, you're seven. They don't believe you. We were at uh, Phoenix, Arizona at Cabela's one time, and Zach was probably a nine or ten years old. And, and Zach can blow a duck call, and Zach has been able to blow a duck call since he was ten years old. That's is is on par with any grown man in the in United States of America. There's not much difference between a world champion and Zach on a duck call to this day. He can blow the hell out of it. By far the best duck caller we've ever had around here. <laughs> and you know that's true, Andy. No. I would I would I would smoke him in a competition. You're so full of shit. I would. No, you wouldn't. So anyways, Zach's ten years old and he can blow a duck call like a grow better than most grown men at ten. Yep. And he was lucky. He was trained. He got to blow duck calls with some of the best callers in the world around here. Brian Sullivan, Ron Winicky. I mean, there's been a lot of big-time duck callers that have been through this place, and he, he got to learn from them guys. So we were we are at Phoenix, and we go up to the the counter, and Zach's look, went to look at a duck call. That duck call probably cost $75. and had it under lock and key with other high-expensive calls. So I asked that guy, I said, yeah, I said, he'd like to look at this. He said, oh, young man would like to see this? I said, yeah. I said, is that the one you'd like to have, Zach? And he had some money with him, and he's like, yeah, I think that's one I want. And that guy looked at, picked it up, and he said, well, son, let me show you how to blow that call a little bit. And this guy at the <laughs> counter, he wasn't a very good caller. I, I called a duck call better than that guy could. And he's like, well, you want to give it a try, son? And Zach said, yeah, boy, Zach hit that thing and chuckled and <laughs> made a couple of hell calls and stuff. That guy goes, well, it's obvious, son, that you know a little bit more about duck calling than I do. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you, at a young age and – uh if Reese gets the hunting bug, he'll have to overcome it as well. But you, not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of thirty-year-old, thirty-five-year-old men on a guided hunt uh, want to take the word of a ten or eleven-year-old. No, not at all. And even though they don't realize you hunted all the time. Now, you you also was a quarterback in high school, a yep. three-year starting quarterback here at Knox City High School. Yep. With some really good football teams. Very good. And my uh, my. Uh, my high school coach was Wayne Hutchinson, hometown boy, grew up in Knox City, won the, the Class A state title in 1983, the bad winner that we had from previous podcasts. We've talked about it, but he's also got a uh, 
an NFL player came through this program now. He can say that. Yep, second-round draft pick. James Washington. From Pittsburgh, Stanford. Pittsburgh Steeler James Washington from Stanford, Texas. And Wayne won two state championships at Stanford yep. after he left here. Yep, so my high school coach now has uh, – he can now say that he's got an NFL star come through his program. Not many I'm, – I'm sure most – I'm sure – not small not, not every coach can say that. I'll I'll put it that way. Not a second round draft pick and a J a Blitnikoff Award winner a couple of years, an so, All American in college. Yep, from a small school. From now, a small school. You played a football game on a Friday night or a Saturday night in the playoffs. Yep. You got your bell rung, right? Playing Albany in uh, Abilene, Texas, and right before halftime. We're fucking getting our asses kicked. Albany beat our ass every year. And I still I still hate going to Albany to this day. My brother, Zach, got engaged a couple weeks ago, and we had dinner at a fancy restaurant in Albany called The Beehive. And it's just, I couldn't hardly, couldn't hardly come into town. That ought to be worth a free filet mignon next time we go there. Yeah, there you go. But uh, they they do make one of the best steaks in the world. And anyway, we're playing them Friday night, Friday night lights, right before halftime. Go, like I said, we're losing, so we're obviously in a passing situation before halftime. Go to throw the ball, and the lights go out. And uh, busted my chin open, and the rest of the game's kind of here and there. I know we lost, but Saturday morning it was time to hunt. So me and Lucas Clyde, one of our old guides from Lucas from Kansas, and uh, woke up next day, luckily, and uh, went and guided a hunt, probably on a concussion, looking back on it now. Yeah, because you got to the lodge that day. You come in the office after the hunt was over, and you, you asked me, you go, did you drive me out here this morning? I go, mm. no. I don't you, remember that. You go, I don't, I don't remember driving. I said, well, don't go tell your mom. <laughs> I said, I don't want to listen to her griping me the whole time about that. But, yeah, you didn't remember coming out here. You told me you were fine after that, though. I mean, I asked you some yeah. questions an hour later. I asked you and you could remember. But you I look, know we hunted the ship field or the uh, – in Rochester, my grandfather's. By the, the sewer. Ship pit. Ship pit. Hunted the ship pit. And yeah. we uh, – Luke, Luke Musgrove from Great Bend, Kansas. Great guy. One of my favorite guys I've ever had work here. I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> oh, Luke. Luke and Andy had a group one morning and have a guy that's a oil field salesman. Real nice guy. And I told – and they had a guy – it was it was him and his son and two of his clients and their kids on a hunt up here. And I told Luke and Andy, you, you listen to Andy talk, and Andy, Andy's got a potty mouth. I just – And so Luke – and Luke does too. So I told him, I said, listen – I said, you're taking this guy, his name's Pat. I said, y'all taking Pat in the morning hunting? And I said, no cussing. I said, this guy's a preacher at his church. And I said, he's taking off to do this hunt out here. He's leaving his church. Do not cuss in front of him. Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And they don't ever say sir to me, so you always know they're full of shit when they say <laughs> that. So they go out and they do the hunt, and I go by the field to check on them in that morning, and they need three or four birds to pick up, and it was snowing. No. Yes. No. Yes. You've got this all wrong. Uh-uh. We shot a limit in about 15 minutes, and we switched fields. Oh, uh, that's what we did. We did the old switcheroo with that, that, with one of our other guys. That's what, that's what it was. But same field as the Roller Mathis over there. Roller Mathis. Yep. And so I go... And I pick them up and get my field, and 
Zach and or Andy and Luke are with me, and they close the door. Luke goes, "I want to talk to you a minute." I go, "What about?" He goes, Phew. "He goes, I'm going to go to that guy's church." Go, what do you mean? He goes, "That guy cusses more than me and Andy ever did." Yeah. <laughs> I said, "That's because he's not a preacher." I just want to make sure y'all watch your mouth for a change. Yeah, we. Uh, I don't know this. This might ruffle some feathers, but this is kind of a look behind the curtain at being an outfitter. We had a very very hot field, and. We had, we also, you want me to tell the story or not? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're not the only people that's probably done this. Yeah. Anyway, this is, like I said, it's a peek behind the curtain. So we we had an extremely hot field. I mean, I'm talking almost every bird in the county was using this one field. So obviously that's a hunt in the morning, but we had two groups, okay? So, and we had two big groups. So sometimes we'll double up if we have a hot enough field. And this, that was just not in the cards. Groups were too big, going to be too big, uh, too many people. So, uh, Luke and I take this Mr. Pat, the preacher that we thought we take them to, uh, the field that's got all the birds in it, but we've also got the field across the road and that's where we put group number two. And the plan was group A is going to shoot out early in about I think it took us about 15 minutes to do so once the birds started flying. And then we've always got enough traffic that you can sneak a second group in if everybody's ready and you can sneak that second group in and then they can shoot their limit also. We've done it so many times that it, it'll make your fucking head spin. And it works. And that's what that day was. So Luke and I were group A with Mr. Preacher Pat and we shoot our limit in about 15 minutes. And Pat says that is the, this is a quote, that is the most insane fucking thing that I have ever seen. And Luke and I, we looked at one another and our jaws almost hit the floor because <laughs> this this Mr. Preacher man is dropping the F-bomb and he's using it correctly at that. You know, uh, I've been around some preachers and I doubt they would use the F-bomb correctly, but he did. And then that's, uh, we, got, we got group B in there real quick. We got out, took our personal belongings, and that's when... Luke had a word with Mr. Jefferson here. Yeah, and you know the 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 doubling up on a field. We'll we'll double groups up. That's not unusual to do it. And we've done double had two double groups in the same spread and shot a limit of birds a lot of times. But we'll plan it, and it doesn't happen all the time. We've done it a bunch though, because peanut fields. When we got a hot peanut field up here, and we've got fifteen to twenty five thousand birds using the field. And I know you're thinking, God, that's a lot of birds. But up here, that's not that uncommon. That's a that's we've had fields like that many times, and more than that even. And you've got a group of, and I've got I come in. We've got four groups at the lodge, and we've got four groups of, of let's say, an average of eight people in a group, thirty people here. And I, or I know it's thirty-two. I can do math, but we got about eight, eight people in each group. And I come up there and I tell two guy two groups. I said, Listen, we're going to hunt this field tomorrow, but we need to double up in here. And if they don't want to double up, we won't we we won't do it. But we're going to go that hot field with that with that group. And so we double up and we hunt that group. And we'll know, well, we got 14 people in the first group, and the second group has 12. So we're, we're good on holes. We've done it before where the first group's got nine people and the second group's got 11. And we'll dig two extra holes knowing that we're going to flip those groups because we get done real early. And there's been days we haven't had to. There's other days that the first, the second field's getting has shot close to limit also. And I think that happens quite a bit. Just uh, the second the the second field kind of gets the spillover. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but... Uh, but there are days where you we're... Hunt, you hunt close enough to that field, and 
you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have your shot at shooting birds. There are many days that I've sat on one field and Tony or Dad sitting on another field, and we used to do the radios before we did the cell phones. Right, and we'd be on the radio talking to each other, and I'd be like, "We need six more birds, and we're gonna flip." And I've got when I start watching a flock go that way, I said, "Pull the other group," and you're praying, thinking, "Gosh, please don't do it," because I want to get these guys over here, and these guys are still hunting. And boom, boom, you shoot the six birds, and then we run them out, and you tell the guys, "Listen, I'm gonna bring these guys in the field. You grab your personal belongings, get in the field, and then what we do is we would drive them to the other field, and we would pick that field up. Right. And then the other guys, they'd shoot out a limit, and then they'd finish it. And now, a lot of places don't run two groups a day. They, a lot of people, right. a lot of outfitters are just one group. Well, we've always had more groups than that. Yep. And we've done it, and it's worked out real good. And I can't remember any time that it's backfired. You never, ever tell the second field, though, no. they're going to be flipping to that one in case it don't work. Y'all are, y'all are, yeah, no, that's not. But it works out more often than not. If yeah. you can plan, like, <clears throat> another thing, like, if you plan for it, it's probably going to work out because under most circumstances, we wouldn't. If we weren't going to do a flip, we wouldn't run the second group in the back pocket of the first group because they're just going to fucking hear them banging away all day. Oh, every time I've been around it and we did that, the, that second group was really grateful that they got in on all the action. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had anybody complain ever about it. And I've had people complain about everything. Shooting we've, limits we've, too yeah. quick and everything else. But I've never had a group that was in that second group go over there and shoot a limit of birds. And they've almost always either shot a limit or got real, had really good hunts. And they've always come up and said, hey, I thank you so much for, you know, getting them our guys out and getting us in so we could both have a great hunt too. Because that's our goal. We don't, you don't ever want nobody to have a bad hunt. Never. I've never, like, uh, and we've said this before, I've never woken up one morning and said, I want this, I want this group to have a bad, bad time. Because at the end of the day, we make our living off of everybody having a great time and everybody rebooking. And that's something that we're proud of is having having the high uh, I don't know what I'm high percentage of return boosters. high return that we do every year. I not had a, a, not every outfitter can say that, but it's something that we take pride in. I had I had a gentleman call me this week, and he'd hunted somewhere else, and he wanted to know about the hunting last year. And I told him, I said December was really tough. The first part of December, I said it was Oklahoma was way behind and I was honest with him because we were being real honest. I said, well, yeah. Uh, he said, well, I, we hunted with a guy and he told us they shot a limit every time they've ever hunted. Then we got a thing to kill nothing. I said, let me tell you something. If you're hunting with a guy and he tells you he shoots a limit every time he goes out, he don't hunt much or he's full of shit. Yeah. Cause you can't, I mean, it's hunting. It's a wild bird and everybody out there. I don't care how good a hunter they are. I've had days, bad days, can't control stuff. But you know, you were taught, you, you said that you've never had anybody want to have a bad hunt. Well, Client A calls me one time and hunts with us three or four times a year, and he says, Jeff, I need you to do me a huge favor. Sure, what can I do to help you? I'm bringing my wife on this hunt, and I would like you to make it as miserable as you possibly can. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, or whatever. I said, we'll take care of her. No, no, I'm serious. Well, well, I don't want her to have a good time. I go, what do you want me to do? He said, I don't give a shit what you do, but I do not want her to have a good hunt. This was a real phone call. This, a, this was a customer oh. called me. Wow. And I said, what would you like me to do? I could say his name, but I don't want to do that. No, don't someone do that. would tell his wife. Don't do that. I said, what do you want me to do? He goes, I, I mean, make it miserable. I said, like, what do you mean? He said, I want to hunt somewhere where we ain't going to kill shit. He goes, I want it to be muddy, sloppy, nasty, and it was dry. I said, well, I can't do the muddy, sloppy. And I, he said, I don't give a shit if you put us in a cotton field. 
do not let us have a good hunt. Mm-hmm. And when he got here that day to check in, he told me again. And I said, I've never had nothing like this. He said, listen, she wants to do every damn thing I want to do. He said, I play golf. So she started taking up golf. He said, now I can't freaking go golfing without her wanting to go. He goes, everything I do, she wants to do with me. And he said, now jerking she's off. Got He's probably jerking off by himself now. Oh, well, he may be. But he told me, he said, I do not want her to have a good goose hunt. Because he said, if I do, every freaking time I come up here, I'm going to have to take her with me. Yeah. And that's. That's the only time I've ever had anybody tell me they wanted to have a bad hunt. What What did you say, Ron, about a month ago or so? Which all the guys, that's the reason he brought that lady. She's too ugly to kiss her goodbye. (laughs) 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 Say it again, sir. Here's what you said, Dad. I told the boys, I said, the reason that guy brought his wife, because that's kind of unusual on them pig hunts like that one was, so the only reason he brought his wife because he's too ugly to kiss goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, She'd I stop a clock, boy. <laughs> <laughs> she looked like that waitress in Alaska, Dad. <laughs> she looked like what was her name? Eve. <laughs> I don't even remember the lady's name. I, uh, Al, Al, what was her name? Ashley. Yeah, what was it? I don't remember. Someone said I was going to be here before too yeah. long. I promise she's coming. Yeah, she'll be here in just a minute. <laughs> Dad said she was so ugly she'd make a clock stop. I'll never forget that. But those <laughs> that, those ladies on that airplane, they, they did not appreciate Dad one bit. Well, after a week in brush in Alaska, that's got to be bad to be that ugly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So the life yeah. of an outfitter. You told stories about poor Luke. One thing that I remember about Luke the most was he was helping us take care of some hog feeders, and we were putting corn in them over on on that old Kenny place, and and he bails out, and he's got shorts and flip-flops on, and he takes off towards that feeder, and he steps on a rattlesnake, and he takes about four real long high steps further, and now he's on the other side of all that stuff, and that snake's somewhere between us. And, well, he was sure happy to get to back to the car. Luke. Luke's one of my favorite guys I've had work here. I've had some good guys that Brian Hall, Fox, Luke, Day. I mean, I've got a lot of them that I could, you know, Blake I love to death too. But Luke was right up there. I mean, he was like family and he was a lot of fun. Hey, growing up sure drives drive you nuts when you get to that age. You got to grow up. Yeah. Luke went and got married and, you know, you got to, he went and got a career, which is a good thing. Yes, it is. I'm very proud for him. But yeah, he grew up, he grew up a lot. Uh, Luke would come down during dove season, and, I mean, there's not just a ton of shit to do because we mainly just run on weekends here, and uh, I can – it was almost almost every weekend we'd be watching college football in the office, and Luke would fucking nod off, and he'd always fall asleep with a, <laughs> with a diff in his mouth, mouth hanging wide open, and uh, it got to be a game to see how much Tabasco you could get in his mouth before he woke up. <laughs> That and the old, the Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, Luke had a problem with his ass crack hanging out. <laughs> and I used to, Payne had a little Red Rider BB gun, and I'd bring it out here, and I'd, one of them ones you cock once, and I could get Luke to bend over to pick something up. From 50 yards, I could hit him with that damn BB gun, 10 or 50 yards. Right at the top of the ass crack. I did cuss and get mad. Gosh. I get fired for that today, probably. Probably. It'd be harassment. Or, or I guess I own the place. I couldn't get fired. I could get sued. Get sued. The board would ask you to leave. <laughs> Anyways, we got anything else we need to talk about tonight or today? Uh, I don't think so. I went tornado chasing yesterday in Oklahoma. What a wild day. 
I'm going to tell you, folks, for anybody that has never tornado chased, it is adrenaline rush. But it's also can be scary, and you got to pay attention. It's getting dangerous. The, the amount of young kids chasing tornadoes today is insane. It's because they've got all the technology right at their fingertips. That's right. They do. And they all have got a phone going that they're looking at a radar on. And if they got a, then they got a camera on their windshield, and they've got a laptop going. And they were everywhere. And I stopped on a dirt road in some tight country, and it rained. It rained a little bit. And I saw a truck going down there, and I thought, them idiots are going to go down there and get stuck and get blown away because it was in front of a wall cloud anyways. But it is a it is becoming dangerous on the roads anymore with the chasers. And the lines were two and three miles long yesterday. That's crazy. That's a great, great, great hobby. But you got to pay attention. But it is—it's like everything else. The internet has made it. You know, I've, I've been doing it for a long time, and I used to not have a laptop to take with me, and I just went by a scanner radio, like a ham radio, and a, you know, a radar, and I would call home before and even get a radar. Somebody told me a radar where something was growing, and now it's everybody's got that technology, like you said, right at their palm, and it, it's just crazy the amount of kids that are doing that stuff. Not me. I'm turkey hunting this time of year. Oh, I'm chasing. That's also an adrenaline rush. No, it's not. Fuck. Tell you what. I've never to this day have shot a turkey. It's because you you went out once. It was boring. I didn't enjoy it. I love duck. I'm at that stage, though. I don't really want to kill stuff no more. I have people all the time. I just can't believe you're in the hunting business. I don't care about killing. Watch a a turkey come on a string from 75 yards out strutting. I can shoot one every day out my window driving right down. Right out of the lodge. I'm telling you. There's two two You're missing out. Two gobblers right here yesterday. Both nice big beards. I stopped and looked at them, started taking a picture of them. It, they are getting hot here in Texas. It's getting hot too. Yeah. We got our we we got our weekly amount of rain yesterday. Thank God we needed it, but now it's gonna be another week before we get another chance of rain. I talked to somebody today and they said uh Winthorpe's had four inches. And blew the roof off of their gym. I saw yep. Matt McQuarrie's Facebook today. Stan, Haskell got the school blow, their roof blown off. Their school, they don't have school for the rest of the week, which is tomorrow, Thursday and Friday. Neither does Stanford. Stanford don't either. And they said on the coming home last night, one of the storm chase reports, they had 87 mile an hour winds north of Knox City. Northwest well, of Knox City, three and a half miles. We had we had a hell of a gust come through because Payne and I were working out and it blew all the shit off the top of my barn is on the is on the in the yard, and I've got one of my barn doors doesn't close very good, and I've got a box of mud, uh, taping and bedding mud in front of it, and that's out in the middle of the street. They so there that, was a hell of a gust that blew that out into the middle of the street and everything else off. Yeah, 87 mile an hour winds, but I had there was no damage. My house, I don't even have a leave in the yard, it looks nice. I bet you there's some pivots tipped over somewhere. I bet there are too. I'm a, I, my plant material center is probably it was three and a half miles northwest of town. That's about where it'd be. Anyways, folks, we appreciate you listening in to us. We're going to do a four man goose hunt the last week in November. Lodging and meals giveaway on podcast. Ooh. How are we going to do this, Andy? I'm straightened from the hip. I'm putting you on the spot now. How are we going to do it where they can do it on the podcast? Where they can do it on the podcast? Where we can find out who to draw a name from or something? How about this? Uh, You 
So you're like you're wanting the rules in this podcast. Yeah, this is we've been dicking around on this long enough. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Uh I tell you what. You have to I'm going to put up a link to our podcast okay. on Stanfield Hunting Outfitters page. Okay. Okay, first thing that you got to do is you got to you got to like you got to like Stanfield on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. It's not difficult to find. And then I'm going to put a link up to our podcast. Then you have to share that link on your timeline. This is on this will be on Facebook. Share that link on your timeline and tag four of your buddies that you want that you think would get something out of this podcast, whether it be a laugh or a hunting tip or whatever. Somebody you think that would enjoy this podcast you got to tag four of your buddies in. So that's the rules. I'm going to put up a, uh, I'll do this the day that we release this. And I will put up a link on our Facebook account. Make sure you're following us. Um, this is kind of sneaky putting it in at the end of this. We're only catching the people that have been listening. Well, that's what they're supposed to listen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. If you're listening to this, you got a shot at a four-man goose hunt. You said lodging and meals? Lodging, meals, bird cleaning included. <clears throat> bird cleaning included, too? Yes. Wow, you're... Ed House is donating his time. Oh, okay. Well, that's Thanksgiving weekend, huh? No, 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 no. It's not a weekend. It's the week that week after Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. When I release this, I will post a link to our podcast. You have to share that on your timeline on Facebook, and you have to tag four of your buddies, and so on and so forth. And then we'll pick a winner at some date. I don't know when. All right. It's a hell of a deal. It's a good deal. Dad, you got anything you want to say before we get off there today? No, just everybody be safe and keep your kids busy and then you'll know where they're at. Take them hunting and you won't have to hunt for them. Take them fishing. You won't have to fish for answers. There you go. Do they do they need to get rattlesnake shots for the dogs? Yeah. It's, yeah. Snakes are getting pretty bad around everywhere and they've got really nice... Little shots at the vet clinics that you got to get to the first year, but I've never I've never witnessed how they work. But I've got my dogs. I've got them. It's sure better than taking a chance of losing the dog when they get bit. That's our dog tip for the day. I remember uh, Lou was he was less than a year old, and you killed a big rattlesnake. We were remodeling my house, and we coiled that thing up, and we put that shot collar on my dog, and we turned that some bitch up as high as it would go. And he went straight to that rattlesnake. It was dead already. He went straight to that rattlesnake. And he got about a foot from it. And we lit his little ass up. Hopefully it snake-proofed him. I don't know. We don't. I hadn't run into any with him. But he was yelping and hollering. And he wouldn't go by that snake anymore. It Hopefully worked. it imprinted in his mind. It works a lot better if you got one that's... It's got its mouth stapled shut or something where it can it can hear it buzz, smell, and see it. But right. So if I, we catch one, are you going to sew its mouth shut for us? No, but I've had some that were. Bill Dean got me one and it was stapled shut. No, thank you. No, hell no. Hauled it around all summer one year, and then I gave it to all guy. summer. How the fuck didn't eat? No, well they don't eat very often. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you drink. Oh, damn PETA people are going to come out. The snake oh, yeah, people are going to be all on our out. ass now. He could drink 
but he couldn't eat. It, it would open just enough for him to. You could see him sucking. <laughs> I gave him the. I gave it to a neighbor for a little funny black douche hat there in Wichita, and, and he took it somewhere and turned it loose. Poor fucker. No, I think he took staples out of oh, it. Oh, okay. It's like when Jeff was going to get that bobcat and have it declawed. You, number one, you're not going to keep this fucking bobcat. That's the worst decision ever. And when made. you do release it back into the wild, it's not going to be able to defend itself. Can't fight. Can't fight. Can't That's, nothing. That sucker could fight. I'll tell you right now. Not with Ain't no nothing claws. meaner than a seven week old bobcat. I'm telling you, you take the bo- you take the the paw- the claws out of one, and it doesn't stand a chance. Hell, I know we've closed off, but I a long time ago when I was a kid, there's men's store in Chinook, Kansas had a skunk. It was her pet. And it walked around in the floor every day and all. It was pretty. It was like a big old cat. And so I always wanted a pet skunk all my life. Well, I was, we lived in Wichita Falls when Jeff had just born. And and I go out of the back door of our apartment, and here's this baby skunk. I'm talking about this thing not three or four inches long, just a little baby skunk. Boy, here's, here's my skunk. I grabbed that thing up. It didn't even smell yet. And I made a mistake. The only only person that I knew in that town was a lady that worked for the the Humane Society. And I called her and said, where could I get a, a skunk descendant? She said, oh, you can't do that, man. That's, that's You're taking away their defense. You don't ever want to do that. You bring it to me and I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. And so she shamed me into taking it to her. And I, and I did. And, and then I wasn't home for... An hour after that, and this guy knocks on the door and said, I lost my baby skunk this morning, and I just got him descended yesterday. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't have a heart to tell him that I took it to the Humane Society, and they turned it loose. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, he probably did, huh, Dad? No. Well, it would be now. That's 25, that's 40 years ago. All right. Well, sounding off from the Big Honker Lodge, God bless Big you. Honker, Big Honker Podcast. Well, I'm at the Big Honker Lodge, though. Oh, signing off from the, the Big, Big Honker, Honker Lodge. Gotcha. They're trying to be a smartass. Signing off for the Big Honker Lodge. This is the Big Honker you, Podcast. You said four. Huh? You, you said four, not from. Well, whatever the hell. I'm tired. It's been late. Or it is late. Have a good week, people. I'm on Instagram at Andy underscore Shaver. Come back and see us.